Hey, welcome to the Christmas and now New Year's edition of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I I hope you had a good Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. My Christmas Eve was long but good, and my Christmas Day was good but hard. If you've been listening episode by episode as they drop, then then you know that we started a, a Christmas pause about 20 episodes or so ago, and then to give myself a little bit of a break at Christmas, I put in my Christmas Eve message. That was Christmas pause number 16, follow the star. And then the last episode, Christmas pause number 17, was less a, a dive into the Word of God and, and more of a conversation with Lynn, my wife and, and I, a Christmas Day message of sorts. And, and if you listen to that one, you heard me say that for me, this is kind of an in-between time. I don't, I don't know about you, but the time in between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, Christmas Day and New Year's Day is, it's kind of an in-between time for me. It's, it's kind of like Christmas Eve is such a big deal that my year winds up there. But the new year doesn't really begin till, well, till the new year. So, so we've got this in-between week. So we're going to finish out this week with a few more episodes centered on Christmas because Christmas doesn't need to stop. Christmas is not a day. It's a mission. It's a calling. It's, it's a continuing story. So a few more episodes centered on Christmas and then the new year upcoming, because I told you that we're going to let John share a few Christmas words as well. So for Christmas pause number 18 and the 221st episode of More Than Bread, we're going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and just let John share his version of the Christmas story. In four more episodes, our pause will be completed. We'll get back to Paul's letters from prison. We'll finish out Philippians and then go to Colossians and Philemon. I'm not sure what will be after that. But for now, listen to the word of God through the Apostle John. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I'm reading from the New International Version. John writes, in the beginning... So this is my words going back all the way to Genesis. In the very beginning, before the Bible was written, in the very beginning of all beginnings, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him is life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light. The light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him, and yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's the thing. We we all love a good story, but I don't think Christmas, the way our world celebrates it today, could in any way prepare us for the depth of the true Christmas story. That story is is what truly draws us in. Not the story of consumption, but the story of conception. Not the story of less minute sales, but the story of ever-present glory. Few stories can rival the story of Jesus, maybe especially the Christmas chapter. It's an ancient story with still yet to be written chapters. You know, sometimes we look at the chapters of our lives, especially the hard ones, and, and we begin to think, that's, that's my whole story. That's the story of my life. 
But what if Christmas was not meant to be a mere annual celebration done in a day, (laughs) looked forward to for a month, but done in a day? But what if Christmas was really meant to be an ongoing story? What if your story is contained in the unwritten chapters of the Christmas story? You see, the story of Christmas was always meant to be continued, not just repeated annually, but continued daily. And you have a part in this story of Christmas, this this Advent series uh, over and over again. I, I want us to ponder our part in the Christmas story. And, and here's where we begin the Christmas story at its very heart. It is a messy love story. <laughs> Let's talk about the mess for a moment first. I mean, where should we start? Politics? We're coming up on an election year that so far is promising to be even more divided than the last time around. According to Pew Research, trust in the government is near historic lows. About 17% of Americans, the last I looked today, say that they can trust the national government to do what's right. Out of the 10 largest cities in the U.S., this was a a study a few years ago, Philadelphia was the most violent, had the most violent crime, and and the number of murders is aiming towards one of the top two in in the last two decades. Terrorist attacks continue around the world. We have Ukraine and Russia and Gaza and Israel and Myanmar. And in many countries, it's becoming increasingly difficult to live as a Christian. And and it's not just the violence and the persecution. Hundreds of million, millions of people, 820 million people, I believe, around the world will go to sleep hungry tonight. And they're not on a diet. They don't have enough food, chronic malnourishment. 300,000 women around the world will give, will die giving birth because they lack proper maternal care. Almost 90% of those deaths are in sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. Count out four seconds. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. Somewhere around the world, a child under the age of five just died from preventable poverty conditions. I mean, name an issue, right? Sex trafficking, millions of people, five million, including over a million kids. The majority of those children come from the U.S., Mexico, and the Philippines. Imagine... A city the size of Philadelphia filled with children who last year were sexually exploited for someone's gain. We have refugees and immigrants and orphans worldwide, not just somewhere else, in our own country. Every year, I think, 23,000 kids age out of foster care without a family to call their own. If you haven't noticed, the world is in a bit of a mess. And it's not just out there somewhere. I mean, kids get sexually abused in our community. Kids get bullied in our schools. People wrestle with hunger and homelessness in our In our community, people are overcome with depression and commit suicide. In our community, in our neighborhoods, our community, our our central PA region, and wherever you live is not immune to darkness and mess. There's some mess in every one of our happy valleys. Relational mess, health mess, job mess. I, I know people struggling with all three. Maybe you had a hard time getting into the Christmas spirit, at least the Christmas spirit as we often define it, but isn't that at least in part why you're listening? I mean, in the midst of the mess, we want more life. We want to thrive. We're looking for more life. It's it's why over 1,700 people came to our Christmas Eve services. We're, we're looking for more. I, I just think back to conversations from the last few weeks, a, a marriage that's moving through some hard places, a, a request to pray for Two people struggling with cancer, someone dealing with a spouse who doesn't believe in God, a husband struggling just to to provide for his family, a student torn between being a, a regular college student and a Jesus follower. 
And then Christmas comes, and for a month or maybe even just a day, it's almost like we're hoping that every mess will be cleaned up or at least hidden from sight, like putting up a tree and hanging some lights and watching a Hallmark movie will clean it up. But it doesn't, and it didn't, right? I mean, through the month, almost every month, sooner or later, we find that even Christmas is a mess. So here's what I want to say in these days after Christmas and headed into the first weekend of 2024. Don't try to hide the mess. Don't don't ignore it. Don't be surprised that Christmas Day came and went with the darkness still around us. Don't be surprised, but also don't be anxious because Christ came and he continues to come. It wasn't just a day back then. He continues to come in the midst of the mess. And in John chapter 1, the mess was called darkness. John says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was the word and Jesus is God. Those are my words. (laughs) He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. His life brought light to everyone and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. In other words, in the end, light wins. The darkness cannot extinguish the light. No matter how big the mess or how great the darkness, the light has come. Christ shines in the darkness. What is John saying? He's saying that Jesus is the light and he came to the world because the world is dark. It was dark when Jesus came. The particular place and time of Jesus' birth was the time of Caesar Augustus. And and if you know anything about your history of those days, Augustus had a dream inspired by Alexander the Great that if you want peace on earth, you need one culture ruled by one government, led by one ruler. And Augustus' dream was reaching its height at, at the time of Christ. During the time of Christ, they called this dream the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. It was pure propaganda, marketing, and the rewriting of history more than reality. The peace was actually the peace of Rome was filled with terror for anybody who wasn't Roman. The Roman army went into the countries and said, here's our peace, submit to us or die. The the Roman general Pompey, who died about 45 years before Christ, boasted of taking 12 million slaves in 1,500 towns. A dozen years before Christ was born, the Roman general Germanicus quelled revolts north of Rome. It was written of him that he slaughtered the population across the Rhine. Six years after Jesus' death, Lucius Verus, co-emperor with Marcus Aurelius, was putting down a revolt in the town of Sepphoris, a small community near the town of Nazareth. In order to discourage sympathizers, Lucius had 2,000 men, women, and children crucified took them days to die, and it was said that their screams could be heard 30 miles away. This was the peace of Rome. It wasn't uncommon to travel around the Roman Empire and see dozens, hundreds being crucified. The world was dark, and it still is. But this is why Jesus came. Jesus came because the world is dark and life is a mess, not just in big macro ways, but in personal ways. Paul described it in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 11 by saying, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. A lot of words, but simply saying our hearts were part of the darkness until God made the light of the glory of Christ shine in us. In fact, John highlights this personal shade of darkness in John 1, 10 through 11, when he writes, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So often, even today, this is the case. 
in the midst of the darkness, even as the light shines, Christ is unrecognized and and often rejected. I mean, honestly, it, it should fill us with wonder as we look at the darkness and the mess around us, maybe even in us. Because where others wonder, is there any good news anywhere? We practice our three-word answer. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. That's why we're here. I mean, good news is the heartbeat of Christmas, not just on Christmas Day, but every day that follows. Christmas reminds us of the good news that love is still a gift, that light still outshines darkness, that mercy is more powerful than judgment, and that every mess can be redeemed. Did you hear me? Every mess that you're dealing with in your life or in the life of someone you care about, every mess can be redeemed. Christmas Christmas reminds us of the good news that God is with us, that Jesus saves, and that grace will heal every place that sin is disfigured. There's still good news. Faith leads to life. Hope endures, and love beats fear every time. This good news is not enhanced by economies or health. It's not diminished by cancer or divorce or dementia. It's not diminished by protests or violence. It's the same regardless of who sits on the throne of the kingdoms of this world because the kingdoms of this world are passing away. But the kingdom of God and the love of Christ, (laughs) the light of the world is forever. We started to grasp the story 2,000 plus years ago when a baby named Jesus was born in a town named Bethlehem. Because listen, the Christmas story is not just a philosophical or metaphorical story about how God became human. It's certainly not a sentimental story about the nobility of the human spirit. It is an historical story about how God became a particular person at a particular time for a particular purpose to bring light to our darkness, to redeem our mess, to love us in all of our brokenness. Listen, here's the first great theme of the great story of Christmas. You are relentlessly pursued. That's John's Christmas story theme stated so beautifully in John chapter 1, verse 14. He writes, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. I mean, if if your Bible is open or just go to it later and underline or circle those words, made his home among us, dwelt among us. The Greek word is eskenosin, and it literally means he pitched his tent. He tabernacled with us. He pitched his tent. He dove deep into our, our mess. He went camping in our darkness. You know, when you go camping, I'm talking about real camping, not RVs or Marriott's. When, when you're really camping, you know it. Sometimes it's called roughing it. If it rains, you're wet. If it's hot or cold, so are you. If it's hard, your life is hard. If conditions are messy, your life is messy. In the beginning, the word, Jesus, was with God. He was home, but he left home to do a deep dive into our mess with the light of his glory. Jesus wants to camp out in your life. He doesn't want there to be any walls between you and his presence. He, he wants to be close. He does. He, he, he wants to eat at your tables. He wants you to sit at his campfire with all your mess. So often we miss Jesus because we don't look for his glory in the midst of our mess. But when we know the story, man, it's hard to miss the glory. When we know the story, it's hard to miss the glory because he is relentlessly pursuing us. And this Christmas love story is written in greater detail in Luke and Matthew, but John gives us the most well-known summary of Christmas when he writes in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him 
in his son should not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes we have this picture of God like he's all safe and tame, just like us, only bigger. But the Bible says that God is holy, which is a way of saying God is not like us. He is without limit. His ways are not our ways. He is fearfully beautiful, knee-knockingly awesome, mysteriously indescribable, and fearsomely good. God is not safe or tame. He's not our butler, our blessing machine. God is the uncontainable container of joy and wonder and awe. And this God who so loved the world, when the prophet Isaiah was trying to describe the heart of God and his commitment to his people, he chose the image of a mother. In Isaiah 49, God says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on our child. Though, though she may forget, I will not forget. You see, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is God with a mother's heart and a tattoo on his skin, a cosmic tattoo on his palms that contains your name. And, and when Jesus would come and allow his body to be pierced, we'd see the cost of those tattoos. He'll never forget you. He never could, for God so loved the world. And, and that word world is more than just a phrase that means all. It's more than just global. In, in John's gospel, the word used for world means the world that is opposed to God. People who have closed their ears and rejected God. People who mess up and, and trash God's heart like a mother. He doesn't love the mess, but he loves the people who make the mess. God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave his son. This is the greatest gift. This gift changed the world because it's the gift that brought true life. And it's for whoever, whoever. Isn't that what John says? God gave his son so whoever believes in him would have life. Do you you understand? Every whoever is pursued. Think about this. Is there anyone left out of whoever? You're not left out of whoever. People in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school, nobody left out of you. I mean, does it matter if you're rich or poor? Does the color of your skin matter? Does it matter if you're gay or straight? Does it matter if you were abused or had a happy childhood? If you if you had an abortion or slept around, are you left out of whoever? No, whoever is whoever. <laughs> we are loved even in the mess. Without our mess, there would have been no need for a cross. And Christmas without the cross is a fairy tale, a Hallmark movie that does not touch reality. But Christmas with the cross, man, that's a love story. It's a messy love story. But it is a reminder that God is in it till the end. And if you want to experience more of God's love, listen to me. You're going to have to open up your heart because he can't love you any more than he already does. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for this this messy love story, for sending Jesus, even while we were against you, a world against you, you sent Jesus, your son, the word that was with you in the beginning, from the beginning, the creator of the world, you sent Jesus to be with us, to be like us. Jesus, you, you gave up all the privileges of home and you came to be with us and we're so grateful. Thank you for camping out in our midst. And I pray that each and every person listening, God, would you help us to know Jesus? Would you help us to know Spirit of God? Would you witness to our spirits that we are relentlessly pursued by your love, that that there is nobody left out of whoever? Thank you for coming. Oh, God, thank you for sending Jesus, your son. Thank you for what it means for us. Continue to come into the midst of our mess and shine your light in our darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.